And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, startups, Amazon, entrepreneurship, you name it. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Today's episode is, is called The Global Language of Business. And my guest today, um, we, we met in Las Vegas uh, late last year um, at the Sale and Scale Summit um, hosted by Helium. 10 and really just uh, hit it off chatting it up. I was like, I have to get you on the show. I got to bring uh, some of your knowledge and your story to our listeners. So without further ado, Megan Bomber, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, super excited to have you. We have our PR guy behind the scenes to make sure you don't mess it up. So you're <laughs> extra careful today. Um, but I'm hoping we can just have some fun getting into your story and kind of like, uh, well, you know, what your what your company GS1 really does for sellers and retail and, and how it affects Amazon and e-com. And we'll get into that. But um, as always, I would love to get into just a little bit of your story and how you got here today and kind of your backstory. So Let's start at the beginning as early as you like. Um, you know, did you always see? I didn't know. I'm sure you didn't always see yourself at GS1 um, because I've just never heard that before. And if it has, <laughs> you you let me know. But um, you know, you're out of New Jersey. Um, tell me how you got here. Tell me how you got into commerce. How you got into retail. Sure. So um, my story is a little bit different than a lot of others in this space. You know, I'm definitely someone with more than one career. I was actually a, a zoo herpetologist for many years, which okay, means- Okay, that's the first time I've heard that. So I worked in a, a few zoos. I worked specifically with reptiles and, and amphibians. Okay. I started as a zookeeper, worked my way up to the management level. And that was, you know, actually the, the first job I ever had was uh, working in the, the petting zoo at the Bronx Zoo here in New York. And um, I, that, that definitely took me a, a long way. Um, and, uh, but obviously did a little bit of a pivot a few years ago okay. and, um, I worked at a, a company that did, uh, private label manufacture, different kinds of products, uh, promotional, um, give with purchase and, you know, small retail products as well. So been a little bit of a different journey for me. Let's, let's um, talk about that. Let's slow down just a little bit. Sure. Okay. So, um, a lot of people that I speak with, even myself included, um, started somewhere, you know, I, I did a lot of different things, like from wow. working in a warehouse to being a pro painter, to working at a surf shop in Hawaii, to, um, being a network and security professional with my, with my degree out of college, um, to being a traveling musician before that, like I've been all over the place. So spare us nothing. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, so you're, a, I know it started with an age herb, Herpetologist? Yes, a herpetologist. Herpetologist. Okay, so what, tell me about that pivot. Like, was it was it a financial thing? Was it you know wanting to 
to get away from the work? Was it wanting to switch things up? Like, you know, what kind of brought that about? Sure. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that job. I did it for quite a number of years. I learned a lot from it. You know, I'll say that. Um, and I'm happy to go into that a little bit more. But I think, you know, Drew, I can really relate to you and, and a lot of other, you know, a lot of Amazon sellers out there sort of tell this story and entrepreneurs, you know, they are looking for something, you know, in their life. They want to have a little bit either more financial control, more flexibility. They want to travel more or they just have a great idea they want to put out into the world and they kind of don't see a way to do that where they are. And, you know, sometimes when that's the situation you're in, you know, you, you got to dust yourself off and, and make a big change and sort of take a bet on yourself. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I did have a great career and I, I, I love that job, but there were things, you know, in my life that I wanted, um, both on a personal level and also just professional level, you know, it was a, a small world. It was a very intimate group of people. You know, I worked with people all over the country, but there's only so many zoos in the United yeah. States. Right. So I didn't get to meet a lot of people. And um, I just sort of felt like I needed to make that pivot to kind of grow in my career and try some new things. Okay. And so, like, I think one thing that, that's kind of overlooked a little bit is that you went from like kind of working with reptiles and probably going to school for that to some extent to then getting into management and that really making you feel like your career was about management, not the zoo. Would you agree? Like, was like, Maybe not management, but but the business aspect. Yeah, I mean, I actually really enjoyed the the management aspect of it. You know, it was definitely challenging because, you know, at the management level, I was managing uh, nine people, and all of those people got into zoo work, not to work with other people, <laughs> right, but to work with mm. animals. So it's definitely a challenging environment to be a manager. That makes sense. Yeah. Within. But I, I, you know, it was really a space I was able to you know, make really positive change. And, um, you know, I, I was listening to the recording you did with Norm Ferrer a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he, he mentioned how at, at one of his offices, they actually had an SOP to make coffee, <laughs> right? And I could really relate to that because as, as a manager in, in zoos, I think one of the things that I was really focused on was understanding and learning from all of our successes and all of our failures and codifying those successes and failures so they could be repeated both in the future mm. and by other institutions and then sharing that information you know not holding it in one place but getting it out there putting it into the world so i think you know looking at that perspective me working at gs1 us really makes a lot of sense right because we are the organization that creates and codifies solutions for the world to share and interoperate yeah, the global language of business. I love that. Okay, so I still have questions for you. So, okay, so you go to this private label manufacturing, um, and I'm thinking of it like, uh, you know, for our Amazon sellers listening to private label, they're thinking like, you know, you're you're bringing a product over from from China, Alibaba, or working with the manufacturer. It has so many different meanings. Um, but there's also what I knew before that was um, kind of like you're talking about that those promotional products. Uh, mm -hmm you know, koozies, uh, mouse pads, like things with companies, brands, brand names on them, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, what were you doing there? What was your role there? Yeah. So it, it was a, a, a small company, which, and, and it grew quite a lot, a lot while I was there, which was really great. Cause I, in the beginning got to do a little bit of everything. Um, so essentially I did sales support and project management there. 
and we did um, we did do sort of that the, the koozies and the mouse pads, but where we really uh, you know where we really focused and did really well was um, number one really really high end products. So think you know French porcelain, right, and um, American made canvas bags, and then we also really saw ourselves as an extension of the marketing for whoever hired us. So okay. it wasn't our job to make a mouse pad. It was our job to make a mouse pad that embodied the brand that was purchasing that mouse pad. And so was that I could go get business at whatever event they're at or whatever they're doing. Right. Right. And, you know, and the goal being that our, our whole goal was we don't want to give you something that it's going to get thrown away. We want it to sit on your desk and remind you of who gave it to you, you know, for the next several years. I love that. I am someone that uh, if I have anything nice that I wear, like I love fashion, but if there's any like high end pieces or anything like that, like it is definitely a gift. Like that's how mm -hmm. I feel, you know, I'll keep it around. Uh, you know, I'm not really materialistic, but I love gifts like that I've gotten from someone because it reminds me of them, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I can, I've always thought of that kind of about promotional products. And I think that's because maybe we were buying them from the company that wasn't yours, but like <laughs> I would get them and I would be like, this is, you know, I'm just going to throw this away. Or this is like, you know, what it says, like, you know, build a bear on it, you know, or something, you know, it just has a name on it. Right. It's just like, it's not anything special other than I went to this event and I walked away with eight different things with their name on it. Um, and I think even what I talk about it in, uh, with a lot of my speaking events is like creating an emotional connection with customers and like the importance of that. And that's through, you know, through Am your Amazon listings, your graphics, your videos, whatever you're doing, your product, when it arrives on the door and they're opening it up, like how do we create this emotional connection? Um, and you just kind of alluded to that when you're like, you know, we were thinking about it as how are we making these products successful for them so that they come back and buy more. Sure. That might be the business aspect, but also that they remember, the event they were at or the company that gave it to them or you know and sometimes i'll see something super clever that you keep because you're just like wow this is super clever like um but most of the time those types of items you know you're, you're taking it you're using it for a coffee mug maybe um or a mouse pad for a little bit or a pen for a little bit and then it's gone and you don't really you know remember much so your work cut out for you i think that's really cool and i never thought of it from the people doing it it's almost like a tattoo artist, I think. And a tattoo artist can be like, no, I'm not doing that design. Or a tattoo artist can be like, I'm designing this for like to be on their body for forever. And they're going to remember, you know, the reason they got it, where they got it, things like that. Another tattoo artist will just like tattoo your forehead if you ask them. Right. You know? And so, um, no, that was just, I wanted to take a second because that was kind of an interesting way of doing that. Okay, so you kind of worked, you did everything there. Um, what was the next move after that? Right, so, so I, I went from there to, to GS1 US. And okay. I think, you know, I work specifically in the space supporting different kinds of e-commerce sellers. So we work with different kinds of solution providers, you know, Drew, we work together with you. Um, and, you know, the platforms, all the different SaaS companies. And our goal is to really help get any information, education out there to help those sellers succeed um, and to understand when and where they need GS1 standards. And, you know, also to understand the environment, learn about what's going on and report that back because GS1 US is a member driven organization. We're actually, we're not for profit. 
So all of the standards are really designed by industry to help solve industry problems. And in order to uh, accurately reflect the, you know, all the, the e-commerce industry, we needed really um, people out there learning about it and reporting back. And that's a lot of what I do. No, I love that. And I know that you guys are a relatively newer division, uh, probably within GS1. Am I getting that correct? Like a couple are you new there or was it a newer division? Yeah, so I, I started GS1 US in December of 2022. Okay. Sorry, December of 2021. <laughs> I forgot what okay. you <laughs> Yeah, things yeah, so fly just, by. Yes, so, so I've been here just over a year, um, and it's been an amazing year. I mean, people are so excited to talk to us, and we've, we've absolutely learned a ton about you know, about this environment and, and all the entrepreneurs that are getting out there and selling online. I mean, at one point, I promise you, you would have hated me uh, in my early days of e-com uh, as a GS1 representative because I just didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't have any learnings. You know, what was the, what was the value of a, of a barcode? What was the value of um, doing it the right way? Um, and, you know, the way we do things now versus the way we did things when I started in e-com 12 years ago, it's not the same. Um, but it was definitely a crash course. And so, um, I think it's a ton of value what you guys are doing to connect with the, the e-com community, the Amazon community, get to knowing what's, what's out there, how it's happening, what's evolving when they need to use GS1. Let's, um, let's peel back the layers just a little bit. And for anyone listening, um, that isn't obsessed with Amazon that doesn't know all the ins and outs. And, um, you know, because I can remember when, um, I was like working for a startup and we were putting products on eBay um, and Amazon and wherever we could. And the Amazon, the barcode issue, the UPC issue was just a, a barrier to entry. It was mm-hmm. not a benefit. It was nothing more than just how do we get past this so that we can sell product. Um, and, you know, now the way that we see it is like, this is a must for protection, for security, for safety, for your brand for it to be able to picked up in retail, a lot of times to be retail ready, um, you know, just go about it completely differently. Um, let's talk to, to any of the listeners, just what exactly GS1 is, as if, as if it's a 101 and they don't know exactly what the organization does and how they work with sellers. Sure, so, you know, as, as I mentioned before, we are a, a not-for-profit organization. We are neutral, which means that, you know, anyone that comes to GS1 US is treated the same and we can bring businesses that are normally competitors together to discuss issues that affect them both. Um, and, you know, we, we don't show favoritism to one over the other. So that's, that's very important for how we function. Um, we are actually, you know, I think a lot of people think of us uh, in, and know us from the UPC barcode, right? We, yeah. we administer the UPC barcode uh, on, on Amazon, often just called the UPC. What we actually administer is the identifier that is carried by that barcode. So it's a unique number. Basically it's a license plate for your product. And, and, and most people know, you know, interact with that barcode right at the grocery store when they're doing self scan or that kind of thing. Right. And so I think a lot of people think of us in context of that sort of legacy retail, you know, the grocery store, the department store, that kind of thing. But our membership is actually, it's like 80% small business um, is, 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 you know, our members. So we really, um, and that's, that's really important because basically GS1 standards allow people of, you know, allow businesses of all sizes to really compete and play in the same areas. 
you know, to be picked up by the same kind of retailers, you know, because they can speak with one language. You know, you don't have, you don't have to follow a different standard for, you know, for Target, for Walmart, for Amazon, um, which if you think about a small business trying to do that, it would be really impossible. Right. And we're really talking about like the language that they're speaking is, is, is catalog is, is, um, the ability to, to be, um, pulled up in a register, like backend software, like, right. That's really what the, the code gives them the ability to do. It takes that small retailer, the ability to sell on right. different types of platforms and people understand what that product is if they've registered it. Absolutely. And, and within the UPC, that identifier is called the global trade item number. That's the number that's inside the UPC barcode. There's lots of other GS1 standards, um, the serialized shipping container code, which is a logistics unit identifier, right? So when you're sending cartons and pallets, um, those, you know, as you start to kind of get into wholesale retail, those could be really important. Uh, GS1 128 barcodes are also really important. We also uh, have a standard language called EDI, which if as you start to get into major retail, you're also going to see that a lot. You're going to see, you know, an ETI, EDI um, embedded in a lot of those uh, stand, uh, onboarding documents for major retailers. So that's we that's, actually yep. here at Marknology, you know, we have a fulfillment center, um, you know, as part of our as part of our full service agency where we're picking, packing, labeling, kitting items. Uh, you know, we probably have 12, 13 customers or so that we're fulfilling for from websites to Amazon FBM to prepping for Amazon FBA. Um, and we have EDI connections there. We're a smaller, we're a smaller warehouse, but um, to connect with Chewy, for example. Right. So we use, we use EDI to connect with Chewy and have different software for that. Um, uh, you're right. It is definitely um, more on the retail side from like, um, or like uh, API would be more so on the, um, uh, you know, the Amazon Shopify plugging in with plugins partners like that is very API. But if you're plugging into any of these bigger retailers, it's an EDI connection. Um, just bringing that home for anybody. Not, not everyone listening is, um, has set up products before and understand some of the nuance behind this, but like what they don't understand is all the problems that can happen if you're not doing these kinds of things correctly. Um, you know, these systems have, what it's doing is giving products a unique identifier that essentially you're paying, you're paying to have it registered, but that unique identifier keeps other people from being able to um, counterfeit your items, sell items as if they're yours, but they're not yours. Um, let's talk about some of the things that it does for protection for, for small retailers or small makers. Um, Cause you know, I get a lot of people that are like, well, why should I spend the money to get, you know, um, a GS one barcode? Um, versus just like, you know, trying to sell it directly or not have those. And, um, you know, that's always a great conversation that comes up. Absolutely. So when you, uh, when you come to GS1 and you license identifiers, you will get something called a GS1 uh, certificate, right? And it, it's basically your, your little paper license that says, I own this. So if you are uh, listing on Amazon, for example, you're going to enter your global trade item number on your listing. And if you have any, you know, a problem, you know, that, that global trade item number is already being used by someone who doesn't, you know, who entered a random number to try to get through the entry process or something like that. You are the, you know, the official owner licensor of that global trade item number. And you have 
uh, that GS1 certificate to back you up and say, this is my product. And for anybody, you know, who's pursuing brand registry, combining those two things is a really good way to say, I own this product. This is me. And, uh, you know, particularly, you know, grab a trademark, put it all together. And it, it really gives you a strong foundation to, uh, make any case against someone who's trying to come in and hijack your listing. Totally. Like for us as an agency, um, you know, we're to that point where if we're working with, with a brand young or, or otherwise that doesn't have those things in place that we can use to protect them, it's not a great fit for us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it becomes, it becomes a necessary, uh, necessity, I guess, so to speak, um, to be able to have, like, these are kind of like the global standards, like you're talking about, um, it just becomes so difficult to, um, you know, work with a brand if they don't have these things, the ability to protect them from being a unique product, being able to use brand registry, having a trademark in place that we can t protect the brand. Um, you essentially are just really putting yourself in, in a, in a way that you're not going to be able to communicate with all these other systems if you don't go through, um, this kind of thing. So what are some ways that like, um, I guess, uh, the barcode is evolving, like maybe changing gears a little bit, but like, you know, we know our, uh, 2d barcode that we've seen on, you know, retail boxes and cereal boxes and anyone in Amazon retail arbitrage has came through with those scanners and scanned a million barcodes to kind of see like, you know, value on Amazon. Um, but what, what's next for kind of, um, you know, identifying products as things go to more of a QR code model and things are just like, you know, evolving. Uh, I was looking at a painting the other day that uh, came to life. I I like put my, my camera on. I was at an art fair and they had a little app attached to it and the painting just came to life for like five minutes. It was kind of crazy. Um, so technology is all over the place. Um, you know, what's how are we addressing that kind of, I guess, at GS1, um, the path forward? And I am so happy you use the phrase 2D barcode because we we use that that same uh, phrase as well, and it, oftentimes people don't know what we're talking about. So um, we so the the barcode is going 2D. Uh, most people out there think of a 2D barcode as a QR code. So basically, you know, you think of a barcode, it's lines and spaces and in one line but if you go in two directions the way a qr code does you can fit a ton more information and um, the really great thing about that is the product itself can carry a lot more data that can be used in things like you know recalls right it can carry batch slot information that's really great for in, you know in pharmaceutical and healthcare it's great for patient safety in uh, grocery, it's great for food safety. You know, if you have any kind of contaminant and, and something needs to be recalled, it's much faster if you can just scan everything with barcode and determine, you know, if, if this it was is this batch, this was made here, this was made there, this is um, the expiration date is this, instead of having all of these different stickers, let's say, or different barcodes on, like, you know, I would say probably a, a carton of, of milk even has a printed thing and then maybe the barcode on the label. And then like, you know, it's got the information in several spots. Um, right. And ima imagine like if you, if you scan a product at checkout and the checkout system knows that, Hey, maybe that's expired. Cause it says so in the barcode and says, no, you can't buy that. Right. Think of like, of how, of how much safer that would make our, our food chain. So I love that. Um, that that's really great. But I think for the Amazon seller and the, the sort of entrepreneurial space, you know, it, it'll be really interesting because all those 2D barcodes can carry the same way a QR code does. It can carry URLs 
that will guide people back to your D2C site. Uh, it can help people, you know, look up your certifications. So, you know, if, if, if your ideal customer is going to be interested in certain sustainability goals or cruelty-free or, uh, you know, certain labor practices, you can embed all that in your barcode to speak directly to your customer. You know, I think as a customer, you can think I'm on a shelf. It's really, it makes that easier for me to make a selection between options. But I think you also have to think about if I've, if I've made a purchase online, now I can interact directly with that seller once it's in my home, which I before didn't really have any way to do. Yeah. And that's something as a marketer, like we're thinking about constantly. So, you know, what are all the ways we can get that customer that's now received that item, that gift, that box, um, are, you know, and we wouldn't think about it as the barcode. The barcode is like a necessary evil to be to doing business. We don't think of it as a way to communicate with our customers, um, but we are pushing those. We're printing social tags and icons and QR codes that take them to, you know, a downloadable coloring book from NASA or mm -hmm. like, you know, all different kinds of stuff that we're doing as marketers to like engage with our customers. Um, so being able to pull that into to the barcode and make it more functional than just like, you know, some uh, a row of numbers is huge. Right. Make, make your barcode work harder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of like that's a good slogan. You better write that down. <laughs> and especially if you think about, you know, any like cosmetics, for example, they have so little space on their packaging that being able to combine those things will be really, uh, really useful for them, for anyone in that space. So, um, you know, our, our goal at GS1US, you know, our, our standards are technology agnostic. We really want to be relentlessly relevant and we're constantly exploring, you know, new spaces in which standards can make a difference. So, you know, I'm on the innovations and partnerships team. You know, we're looking at metaverse right now and blockchain, very exciting spaces to be. And, you know, again, the goal, the goal is to just find ways to help uh, whatever technology industry is leading towards find ways for that technology to be universally applied so that everyone can participate. No, I love that. Okay. And I got a couple more questions for you before we do uh, shout out to our sponsor, fullscale.io finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, we can build a software team quickly and affordably use a full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io um to learn more okay so we've talked about you know um we've talked about kind of where it's going kind of some of the ways that it's innovating ways that we might see the barcode change um in the future what do you think about um you know you talked about most like i think you said 90 percent or something of the barcodes are from small business is that just because we have so much more small business than than big business when it comes down to count of those businesses you know i know how impactful uh, small businesses to America. I went to Babson College and they're, you know, they just, they, they came out with these stats that were just mind blowing in regards to like, you know, how this country really runs and, um, you know, what makes the economy healthy. And it's, it's very small business driven. Um, you know, thinking about these kinds of standards for small business, big business, and then international business. Um, what is it about, you know, something as simple as a barcode that really connects the three of these and makes it where a small business can go international? Because, you know, on uh, on Amazon, a small business can go international much easier than it used to be in the past. You know, mm -hmm. I've got brands selling in Amazon Australia, Amazon Japan, um, you know, Amazon Canada, all, all over the world. Um, is the barcode, you know, even though it's GS1 uh, US, 
what does that mean um, when it comes to international selling and, and small business kind of joining the, the bigger world? Absolutely. So GS1 is a global organization. Okay. Uh, the, the global headquarters is actually in, in Brussels, but it's a federated organization. So there is 113 different, we call them member organizations, MOs, that represent countries or a region uh, that, that really represent the businesses within that space. And that's just because, you know, local laws are, are different and there's different considerations in terms of, you know, cross-border activity and all that sort of stuff. So here at GS1 US, we represent US-based businesses. If you came to GS1 US to license a global trade item number, you would that, that global trade item number would be valid globally because GS1 is global. So um, there's there's a few differences in terms of what it might look like if you uh, if you came to somewhere in North America, GS1 US, Mexico, or Canada versus other places in the world where you might get an EAN, European article number, versus AUPC, which is a universal product code. But either way, the the identifier will be valid and verifiable worldwide. Okay. Talk to me. This is just a random question off the top of my head, but ISBN. So that's like a book identifier, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. Is that something that you guys manage as well? We do not manage the ISBN. No. Okay. So this is, but is that an international organization as well? That's just, you know, around books that, you know, kind of established differently. And if so, why would there be a difference between books and products, I guess? Absolutely. Um, you know, the ISBN does uh, function similarly, and um, you know there, there's some. You know, I don't I don't know a whole lot about the ISBN to be honest with you, so um, I can't go into too many details about how they function. But you know, it is something that people are very familiar with. I will say that, so it, it's often a you know a good reference <laughs> to sort of explain what we do. Um, but you know, with all kinds of art, there's you know, sort of different issues about identification that sort okay. of a little bit differently than the way product identification does. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it's not something that, um, you know, has a lot of the same characteristics as let's say a food product or anything like that, a standards and things like that's a book. Right. So, right. um, that, that makes a lot of sense. I just know like, you know, selling on Amazon or, or selling in retail, at least in e-commerce, like that is, that is, you know, if you're selling, if you're selling books, it's used a lot like a barcode, but it's it's obviously not a GS1 barcode. So, um, and I know Amazon has its its early days with books and uh, you know some of that nuance as well, which is interesting. That's how I you know how I remember Amazon starting. <laughs> right? Selling. Yeah, he was uh you know he was really getting into as well as far as I know Bezos's idea you know was to get into books uh, to really learn is something that we all have in common and something to learn. Um, uh, you know, about customers and get data and really understand how customers are shopping. And so he started with books, which I think is just, um, you know, really, really interesting. Um, we talked about, okay, so we talked about, you know, kind of what's what's next for GS1 and like, you know, metaverse and uh, blockchain and, um, you know, really working with e-com sellers um, and, and retailers of, of all around the world to really understand, at least in the U.S., um, how to interact around the world. And, um, just kind of all the things that this can happen. Um, you guys have talked to me about a, a, an event. You guys host events, you guys host conferences, mm -hmm. webinars, all different kinds of things like that. Let's spend a few minutes just talking about what you guys are doing to interact, um, you know, with the different communities out there and where people can, um, uh, people can learn more, people can get involved, people can participate in some of the stuff you guys are doing. 
Sure. So um, there's actually two different ways we participate. Uh, one is, you know, we do attend a lot of external events. Okay. We'll speak at events. We will host roundtables. You know, right now we're, we're really focusing a lot on our, our small business initiatives. So we've had small business roundtables around the country at different events. And, you know, so, you know, understand that GS1 is, GS1 US is a large organization that has a lot of different verticals. So you're, you know, you'll see GS1 US folks at pharmaceutical conventions and at grocery conventions and at CPG sort of all across the board, exploring uh, the, the importance of standards in, in different, in different sort of verticals. And, and, but we also do have our own events, as you mentioned. So we have uh, Connect coming up. That, that is the GS1 US conference. It'll be okay. in, Denver in June this year. Um, you can follow, uh, learn more about that on our website. We also do uh, two annual summits. So our supply chain visibility summit and an, our innovation summit. And those are digital events. Uh, they're open to everybody. Um, you can check our website for more information on those as uh, the topics are finalized and you know dates and everything are, are finalized as well. Um, and thank you, John, through through some of our, our dates here in um, in the chat. So that's fantastic. So uh, the other thing is we do have quite a lot of resources, both for members and for those like considering becoming members. We do have our own podcast, Next Level Supply Chain, where we uh, chat with a lot of different kinds of solution providers and business owners to sort of understand what's going on in business and you know help people make sense of the wider world of supply chain out there. Uh, we also have a, a learning management system and a pretty robust YouTube channel to try to help people, you know, in sort of industry standards is a little bit complex, right? <laughs> There's definitely yeah, a lot. Yeah. And we try to break it down and make it as straightforward as possible. You know, YouTube, you can go there for a little bit more of the quick hits, and then you can actually create a login and take some courses in our system if you want to get a little deeper into it, sort of depending. Um, we also have, you know, I try to shout out to them anytime I'm anywhere. We have an amazing member services team. Uh, they're they're in, based out of Ohio. You can pick up the phone and call them. They're, the wait time is uh, usually less than a minute. They're super knowledgeable and they're always help, happy to help people talk through uh, issues that they're having as a member or, you know, questions considering whether or not they should license a G10 and become a member. And I, you know, you can also reach them by email, but you know, I'd say always pick up the phone. They're pretty great. <laughs> no, I love that. Shout out. Uh, someone needs to buy you a coffee uh, from the team. <laughs> so giving them the love. No, that's, it's absolutely amazing. And thanks for the, the context on the events. Um, I know the podcast is a great source of information. Um, and, you know, for me, I'm, I'm trying to step away and get to more conferences that are just um, a little bit less than just Amazon focused, meaning they're not just Amazon heavy, but where, where are some of the other brands, retailers, um, service providers, like, you know, they're just getting a broader, uh, I'm always trying to learn as well. And so just getting a broader um, kind of reach to the topics and what those things are. And I think that's a great opportunity, you know, for anyone that's in that area uh, in June to pop into the Connect Conference or, um, you know, to tune in the podcast. I'll have all these um, links and notes in the show notes as well for anyone driving. So they'll be able to just see, um, you know, where they can get in contact with you guys. Um, 
as we're wrapping up the show, I like to I like to end with a little bit of a personal question. Um, but you know, we're we happen to be at the beginning of the year, you know, um, which is not necessarily a resolution time. But uh, for me, it's definitely uh, what are my goals? What's my focus? What am I, you know, what am I shooting for this year? You know, if I if I get to the end of this year, what would I feel like I um, that I've accomplished something? Um, what is something that you personally, Megan, are um, you know, working on as a leader, as a um, GS1 employee, you know, something that you're focused on this year um, to improve? Absolutely. Um, it's a great question, Drew. And, you know, one of the things that I'm going to be diving into this year to really uh, understand and start to speak to the value of is actually one of our identifiers called the global location number. You know, I, I come from the, you know, the nonprofit space, I come from conservation, understanding how to reduce our carbon footprint, you know, how to do better in, for, for our planet is super important to me. And, and that's going to be everything I do. You know, I'm a major composter here. I, I buy plastic recycling boxes that I can send back to try to recycle all my snack bags and everything like that. So the global location number is similar to a G10, the way it works, but it identifies a location, right? So it could be a shelf on a pharmacy. It could be an entire building. It could also identify a, a legal entity, right? So a company. You, you, when you license a, either a GS1 prefix or, or G10 here at GS1 US, you will automatically be assigned one. And then you can enumerate further uh, further GLNs as well. And, you know, so for me, I'm really looking forward to exploring how this can really help, particularly in our, in the food system in retail grocery, how that's really going to help reduce food waste, you know, make sure that, uh, inventory is properly managed and moved, uh, to, to, you know, to reduce excess and, you know, help understand how, you know, our fuel use is, you know, can be consolidated and reduced. And I think there's a lot, a lot there um, for GS1 US to explore through the global location number. I love that. I obviously, some of that went over my head. So I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily know how like knowing the location of something helps us cut down on waste. Um, but maybe it's something I need to be learning about too. And I think that's why it's, it's so great that you guys are an organization teaching retailers and consultants and service providers you know, what all the functionality of what all these things can do for you, um, you know, and if we're able to tie in, um, uh, you know, carbon footprint and, uh, you know, waste uh, reduction and these types of things, as well as uh, businesses, uh, business efficiencies, I think we've hit a home run, um, you know, when you can tie those in and show people how knowing these things can help you be more efficient and, and waste less. And, um, you know, that's really what, operating a good e-com business is about is about just knowing every little area of your business that you're that you're impacted um or that you're impacting and knowing like you know what's going on with it how can i optimize it a little bit better how can i be just a little bit better um that's what i love about e-com in general is i don't feel like it's a it's a business model that's built around waste uh and excess Absolutely. it's usually pretty much efficiency and um i love that yeah, creeping that margin up little by little, right? <laughs> right. I mean, or or they're stealing your margin, you're getting it back, you know. So yeah. you know, whatever that is, whether it's you know, it's people in your business or it's um efficiencies in your warehousing and supply chain, or it's efficiencies in your buying process and your, you know, your importing of goods. Um, you know, there's 
the 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 areas to improve are endless when it comes to ecom um and i i mean i love that because you know you know i'm never getting bored because there's always something to work on um yeah. but i love sharing that and it's a great thing to take into um to this year to just learn more about how can i use this and how can i leverage this and how can i i share that knowledge with others so thank you for sharing megan this has been um really informative i've loved having you on the show um Thanks again for your time. And one more shout out to our sponsor before we go. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with a fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders at FullScale. They specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. A little bit of a mouthful. Um, I need some coffee, but you know, honestly, our, our sponsors are, uh, everything to the show. We, we put the show on for free and reach hundreds of thousands of listeners every month. Um, so thanks again to our sponsors for letting us do this and promoting the show, uh, and putting this on and, and having awesome guests like Megan on the show. Megan, thanks again for your time. Um, and John behind the scenes, sending us links and information over here in the chat. Uh, thank you as well, John. And, uh, thank you we'll so see much, you. you're welcome. We'll see you next time. Hustlers. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.